0: is the Emergency Medical Minute. All right, guys, I hope you're ready for some intense pathophysiology. We're going to call on Zoe, my scribe, who's done all the research. No, okay, but we'll we'll skip that. But to give her credit, she actually did a lot of the kind of background because we're talking about this, and she really kind of got into the pathophys behind it. For all of your sake, because I don't understand as well, and I never really did well on that, to be honest. Don't tell all my patients that. Um, We're going to gloss over some of that and just try to stick to the details, So, or the uh, clinical details. Um, So we had a patient come in, though, and uh, it was a kind of interesting case, but methemoglobinemia. I feel like we see that from time to time, but it's one of those things that, at least in my case, Kind of like, oh yeah, I should have thought of that sooner. Uh, but he's kind of hypoxic and looks distressed. and He's tachycardic and just looks kind of dusky and terrible. And you know, of course, you, you know, kind of go down a lot of cardiac and other kind of vascular stuff you know, with him. And you know, still looks terrible and still like you know, like on a non-rebreather, even on BIPAP, can't get his pulse ox above like 85%. And I don't remember quite every detail in his case, but it, it was definitely kind of that scenario that comes across you know commonly. Um, and then sure enough, you know, we get a blood gas on him and is like. You know, oxygen level. You know, PA2 is through the roof, but uh, you know, despite that, we're still getting pulse oxes of like 85%. Um, so it's just one of those things to kind of have on a differential when you see that. When you just you can't get any, you know, you feel like you can't oxygenate them. Um, And then you get an x-ray or you get a CT and their lungs are completely clear and there's no blood clot and there's not really another explainable cause for that. Um, Methemoglobinemia is kind of interesting in that, you know, what it is is if you look in the red blood cells, the ferric form, you know, so if you're, you know, going back to your pathophysiology science stuff you guys are also skilled at, the FE3 plus can't get confirmed to the FE2 plus. And so that's the ferrous form and that's what can actually, you know, bind oxygen and kind of let the red blood cells do their job. Um, so it's kind of a dysfunction of that en- enzymatic process to get it down you know, to that area. So because it won't break down, then it's having a hard time doing what it should and transporting oxygen. And as a result, patients are kind of dusky and blue. When you actually check that level, it was, one thing I found out was interesting is you know, if you order a coax panel, they actually, like we already had an ABG done, so they had the coax panel resulted in like a minute, because I guess they run it every time already, it's just they don't result it and you can't see that. So if you already have an ABG, you should be able to get that result right away. Um, same test, we would look for carbon monoxide poisoning and those kind of things, which is also something to kind of have in, you know, keep in mind with those types of uh, presentations. Um, If they're less than 20% on that number, they're usually not all that symptomatic, though they may start to get some of that gray-blue-dusky kind of thing. If they're above 30%, they start to get more symptoms. They can get some tachycardia, respiratory distress, um, feelings of anxiety. And then as you get up and up, you might get altered mental status and other end-organ dysfunction. Um, And then if it's above 70%, it's usually fatal. Um, the treatment is also actually pretty interesting, um, which is you know they're blue, so you treat them with methylene blue and they get better, um, and so it's, you know you give them that you know very potent blue dye, and it basically helps that enzymatic process that so can convert iron back to that uh, you know ferrous form instead of the ferric form. Uh, it's pretty quick; you should see results within about 20 minutes. You can repeat the dose of that. Um, the exception is if they have a history that sounds like their G6PD deficiency, Mediterranean des- descent, or strong family history of it, um, then you shouldn't do that. You actually treat with high-dose vitamin C. Um, and then the things that set people off with that, so apparently I didn't also know this, most cases are not congenital. Granted, except for the G6PD deficiency patients. Um, but, you know, it's, it's something that just often is acquired. There's usually some provoking factor, and it's often medications. Most of the medications are obscure things that we don't often reach for. You know, Dapsone is an example. We're not really treating a whole lot of patients with Dapsone anymore. Um, but some of the more common things that we think of are lidocains. We use those all the time. Um, in his case, I don't think we ever really found what triggered him or what set him off. Um, it was interesting, you know, as far as kind of why that was, but we're, we weren't exactly sure. But there are a few particular medicines you look for, um, but probably the by and large the most common one you'd see is, is um, some kind of, you know, benzocaine, lidocaine, something in that family. Emergency Medical Minute is, and always will be, about free medical education. Medicine's most prolific podcast is successful because of our supporters, donors, and of course, our listeners please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And if you support spreading free medical education, please donate at our website, emergencymedicalminute.com. As always, keep listening.